Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. In the study of religion, there are various camps that each approach their subjects in unique ways. Each method is shaped by particular interpretive choices, such as to be objectively neutral, experientially invested, or use scientific measures, for example. Whatever strategy one uses, there is a relationship between one's social identity and the categories shaping theoretical and methodological assumptions. This is what Christopher Driscoll and Monica Miller argue in their new book, Method as Identity, Manufacturing Distance in the Academic Study of Religion. These dynamics can be witnessed when thinking about how the boundaries of methodological practice are defined in the so-called critical study of religion versus something like the study of black religion, where there is often an assumed identity-interested motivation to analysis. Driscoll and Miller produce a generative set of inquiries that require researchers to consider the role of race and social identity and how that informs their interpretive stance. In our conversation, we discuss questions of the whiteness of certain methods, the function of the designation black in black religion, the 1958 meeting of the International Association for the History of Religions, pioneer scholar Charles Long and the Chicago School of History of Religions, the relationship between the categories race and religion, hip-hop, and the productive role of writing intention. I'm one of your co-hosts, Christian Peterson, and thanks again for listening to New Books in Religion, a channel on the New Books Network. What follows is my conversation with Monica Miller and Christopher Driscoll about their great new book, Method as Identity, Manufacturing Distance in the Academic Study of Religion, published with Lexington in 2018. Welcome back, y'all. Thanks for joining me again on New Books in Religion. How are you guys? Doing well, Christian. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's good to be back with you. Now, um, some listeners may remember that um, I spoke with Monica and Chris on two different episodes uh, in the past, Um, so maybe a more formal introduction will be uh, found there, and especially in the context of your guys' book, uh, this this whole idea of kind of biography and intellectual trajectory, I think, takes on new... uh, new meaning that I haven't thought about in in doing these conversations before. So perhaps right now, instead of kind of giving us a complete kind of history of where you guys have come from and these kind of things, um, maybe just tell us a little bit about uh, your work um, and then uh, let us know how you guys connected in your kind of scholarly interests and concerns. Uh, What interest in the study of religion did you, did you share, for example? Great question. Um, I guess really it kind of begins framing it in the way that you did it. It begins with the creation of our group at the AAR or the, our program unit. Now the critical approaches to hip hop and religion, Monica and I will, and I'm sure she'll have 
uh, a bunch more to say on this, but we were uh, a good decade ago, we were frustrated because the sorts of interests, for lack of a better framing, that we had and that we shared uh, based on our interest in hip hop didn't really uh, have a proper home, so to speak, in uh, the AAR. So for instance, if we wanted to do work on hip hop, it was widely presumed and assumed by any any number of folks involved or, or in discussion with us that it was uh, the, a particular uh, domain. Uh, it belonged, that cultural stuff of hip hop belonged to a particular uh, wing of mm-hmm. the AAR, so to speak. And w- that that wing being black theology in a nutshell, <laughs> and or there, black religious studies, mm-hmm. and um, we we really wanted to carve out space for um, critically interrogating the tools that um, that we use in the study of religion. I guess Monica, you want to? Yeah, I think uh, that's a good way to start the conversation. I think that's exactly right. And um, in particular, what we were really interested in sort of doing and showing and highlighting um, was the manner in which we were after a more critically oriented approach to the study of hip hop and religion. And so that is to say, the predominant sort of approach in terms of the way that scholars were treating the data of hip hop or treating even uh, the data as it concerns the category of religion would um, sort of be situated within a more phenomenological kind of frame. So the question always sort of surrounding like what is religious about hip hop culture? And we were sort of interested to get our heads around what the uses of religion or the uses of hip hop would end up accomplishing for um, social formation and process. And so it wasn't technically black religious studies, although the data was racialized or colored, uh, no pun intended. Um, We wanted our own separate space to kind of really explore what a critical approach to the study of hip hop and religion would look like. And so that is to say we were um, most interested in bringing, you know, rich and dynamic approaches or highlighting the range of approaches that were beginning to emerge around the study of religion and um, hip hop. And so it's been a really interesting venture and feat over the last number of years. We've seen Um, the development of what we could probably call, I would say, and Chris, you might chime in um, on this point, um, a a really a critically oriented approach to the study of of the topic. Yeah, absolutely. I I think we were were and are really still sold on um, a critical approach to our data. It is effective. The turn that we kind of focus our lens on in the book in method as identity is not something that we want to um, uh, do away with by any stretch of the imagination. It it has in so many ways been liberating for us and for the study of hip hop culture within the the scope or the parameters cast by um, the Academy of religion. And so uh, that said, we wanted to interrogate uh, 
what those limits would be, why they emerge, how they emerge. And uh, that's really the, the start of what becomes method as identity. And we talk about it more in the book mm-hmm. I- itself. But yeah, it's, um, it's not an exaggeration to say that our fairly narrow interest in hip hop culture uh, sparked these uh, fairly cumbersome questions about method and how they connect to identity and things like that. Right. And I think for me, um, Christian and Chris, for me, you know, I really started out by kind of um, questing for that category of meaning in the study of hip hop. And so in the beginning, you know, in the beginning, beginning, when I was working on my dissertation, it was specifically looking at um, the different, what I would call then the meaning making dimensions of hip hop. And about 150 pages into the project, I had this methodological kind of crisis, um, not only for the data of hip hop, but for my larger study. And so I can see my work kind of transgressing and moving from the apprehension of meaning to the troubling of meaning to um, looking at uses and functions rather than meaning-making sorts of sensibilities, and then that moving into the study of social formation and process or identity um, studies. And that's largely uh, where my work centers now, whether that is humanism or whether that's looking at uh, just social difference um, and identity, the ways in which identity is made and broken and and transgressed and or reconstructed. Um, we brought that to the topic of theory and method. And so um, I'm still obviously firmly rooted in the study of Black religion, new Black religious movements. Um, But my larger questions entail, and I think this is what Chris and I share in common, although our data sets are quite different, we share a connection with hip hop, but Chris being more rooted in critical studies of whiteness and myself being more rooted in black religion studies, we share a common interest in identity studies. And that's what really brings together method as identity, uh, manufacturing distance in the academic study of religion. And, you know, kind of going back to something Chris talked about, you know, regarding the ways in which um, hip hop studies has often been relegated to either just black studies or black religion or African American religion. Um, There was a particular kind of segregation in the field of study that we felt we wanted to kind of, um, really traverse and transgress at the same time by bringing these two things together. And I definitely, um, compared to Chris, I'm definitely more steeped in a critical approach to the study of religion and or identity. Chris tends to be more of an existentialist. And so we found ourselves productively in tension a lot of the times, uh, despite our data set, (laughs) and still productively in tension um, regarding just how we handle um, theory and method and identity or hip hop or whiteness or humanism. Um, But we felt what would be really interesting was to bring that tension together and to use the tension to kind of push back on one another, but to do it through a blended voice where then the author, um, where, excuse me, where the readers 
wouldn't be able to kind of say, here's the white voice, here's the black voice, here's the female voice, here's the male voice, right? It kind of suspends um, any attempt to try to, you know, locate the kind of who is speaking here so that the effect of what's being said jumps out more than the who. Yeah, that's real interesting too. Um, so this this it's a complex project you're doing here, and um, you know a lot of listeners might be kind of familiar with one domain of the study of religion or another. Um, but uh, it might it might be helpful to just kind of uh, start slow and thinking about um, at least these two central concepts that you that you're kind of using to frame the project. This idea of method. And then this 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 category of identity. Um, so just just so everybody's on the same page, w- how are you using these terms mm-hmm. um, for the project, and what do you see as their relationship? That's an excellent question, Chris, Christian. Um, you know, the fact that we don't really have clearly defined parameters around what is method, what is theory. Uh, what is identity is precisely some of the discursive confusion that brings this project together. Mm-hmm. And so starting off in a basic sense, um, you know, I, for for my part, my contribution to the book, I was thinking with Black religious studies um, or with diaspora studies and trying to think um, a little more specifically about the way that method tends to be handled in the study of Black religions, and that method is largely phenomenological. It's largely more essentialized. Mm -hmm. And um, identity tends to track kind of according to this tripartite method where Black bodies are treated as, you know, objects of history, and then the movement from going, you know, from object of history to subject of history um, is sort of charted in, um, I would say, in a very Eliotian kind of fashion. <laughs> and it, it really, you know, assumes a kind of linear approach uh, to the study of um, identity. And I wanted to um, not only think about identity in a more deconstructive sense, but I wanted to think about what is at play and what is at work when we reconstruct the black subject um, as well. And what's happening to those white subjects as we're reconstructing, you know, black subjects. And so um, for me, um, you know, the fact that we usually only tend to reach back to maybe a few authors when we're talking about method in the study of black religion um, the one obvious one we tend to go to is our, our go-to, you know, scholar author is Charles Long um, in Significations. And so the fact that there's not yet really a, a vigorous and lively kind of conversation and debate in Black religious studies about method and really less so about theory, I wanted to kind of bring my own training and critical approaches to method and theory to kind of bear on Black religious studies. And so some of my questions really come out of my deep concern for and affirmation of and indebtedness to, you know, the field of of Black religion, um, but also being trained in a more critical kind of fashion. I mean, for me, I think the critical approach goes back quite a long time. When I... um, 
was speaking earlier about this methodological crisis that I had when I was working on my dissertation. It was the work of Russell McCutcheon that really spoke to me in the middle of that dissertation project. Um, He was not only gracious and and kind enough to speak with me during that time and to stay in communication with me, but his work really um, had quite a a big effect on me. And it was palpable and, and really powerful. And it made a lot of sense to me that if we can you know, stop privileging these categories, we are able to kind of look at what their uses and and functions kind of accomplish for these competing social and and cultural interests. And so for me, my critical approach um, in terms of how I understand it, how I apply it, kind of begins with McCutcheon's work. And then I was able to kind of backtrack and realize that there's this kind of William Jamesian, Eliotian kind of impulse, uh, a kind of interiorized impulse that is being, um, you know, that that the scholar is is seeking after or questing after, and that thing they're calling meaning that kind of bubbles over that excess of Black religious studies. Um, and so for me, it's an experiment to kind of put them all. Uh, together and to see how do they speak to one another, but how does the field speak back to itself at the same time? Um, And so I kind of come to this project with the double concerns of not only Black religious studies and how identity and the subject or Black subject formation is treated, but on the other hand, I noticed that um, when I would take up particular case studies in the critical approach to the study of religion, that my um, the identity of my data tended to become homogenized in a particular way. And when I stepped back, I said, wow, why is it that all of my data, when I'm doing critically oriented work, tends to be segregated from the very theory and method that I'm using? And so it's this sort of... Um, discursive confusion almost, and a kind of cognitive dissonance um, at the same time that I really bring uh, to the project. Yeah, just to add on to that, um, in, in my case, I my work toes the line between uh, having um, fairly sustained interest in uh, Black Africana religions as well, but in recognizing that my um, of epistemological, to say nothing of ethical um, responsibility to that discourse or those discourses involves figuring out ways um, to take them seriously as challenges to whatever sort of hegemonic postures are reigning supreme either in the social world or even inside my own head in the case of my own uh, work, some of it. And so really my interest in this can be initially framed in terms of being curious about how power is or is not implicated in questions of method. How do we do something uh, in the field? How do we handle our data? Who's telling us how to handle our data? Uh, Regardless of the, the specific concerns about whether what we're hearing might be accurate or not. Um, like, what are the stakes involved in that particular mm-hmm. um, uh, admonition or a set of admonitions? And so that that kind of forces a consideration 
of experience in a way that um, that the critical approach rightly suggests we ought be uh, reticent to easily accept or easily adopt, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the person, though, who and this is one thing that really uh, comes through in the book, I think, the, the person who's probably best um, re- responsible for having those sorts of conversations uh, to date, at least in my opinion, is, is Charles Long. Jonathan Mm -hmm. Z. Smith certainly was interested in similar things. And those two figures had conversations together at times. I mean, they were colleagues for a period and things like that. Uh, But really, my as the my interest in the project narrowed, I started to increasingly want to do justice to how I could to the work of Long, in particular, how he was thinking about and theorizing American religion as orientation. And so like in thinking about this this theme, this heuristic or, or this figural representation of uh, religion as orientation, it it had us start to consider, um, I don't know, the, the old idea of map can come up, but for us, it wasn't so much about map or territory. It was more about thinking about how we're uh, all uh, like sort of forced into a social situation where we're always already at certain distances from one another, as well as from our, here comes a a piece of my existential concerns, as well as from (laughs) our obligations to ourselves. I mean, like issues of authenticity are on the one hand manufactured, but on the other hand are, are the stuff that we have to attend to if we're looking at uh, certain communities, not every community, but certain communities. And so, um, and just to kind of add on to what you're saying, Chris, um, <clears throat> you know, you talk about Jay-Z Smith and Charles Long, you know, kind of being colleagues and having these conversations together. And that's one of the things that we especially want to emphasize to listeners is that, you know, Charles Long is only taken up in a particular camp within the field of religion studies. And Jay-Z Smith is taken up among a different kind of camp in religious studies. So although they were in conversation together, the way that the work looks actually, um, it, it again goes back to that kind of discursive segregation that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And so we even notice, again, this is not a critique of what other people are doing. This is Chris and I having conversations quite literally about um certain kind of discursive habits we were forming ourselves. So why is it that when I write about black religion, I'm going to pick Charles Long and he's going to be my methodologist. But when I'm doing, you know, uh, critically oriented stuff, I'm going to do the Jay-Z Smith and the Bruce Lincoln. And, you know, I'm going to do the go-tos for that. Um, But yet the data on the latter part looks quite black. And I'm making um, examples of particular essentialized uh, sorts of practices or subject formations um, or, you know, um, different kind of cartographical shifts that might be happening. And then in the former, um, my data and my method both look just black, right? And so Chris and I started having these really um, dynamic kinds of conversations about like, why is there this larger discursive segregation in terms of who is considered 
a methodologist? Who is considered a theorist? Why is it that we have certain um, citation practices when we're taking up certain topics and certain kinds of ways? And when, we, when we're doing a more critical approach, our, our, our theory and method tends to look a bit white or actually quite white. Um, but yet when we're, you know, doing a critical kind of approach with, you know, black religion or within black religion, you know, our only go-to person tends to be Charles Long, among a few other folk. And we wanted to think about that kind of, um, a certain kind of, you know, <clears throat> miscegenation almost in a way, right, Chris? I mean, yeah. we wanted to kind of um, bring those worlds together and we wanted to figure out why in the mainstream, you know, predominant approach to both, that is Black religion, whether it's white religion, whether it's theory and method in the study of academics, you know, among academics and for academics, um, why is it that, you know, the citations and the data, all of these things tend to become homogenized um, in a certain way, but yet when we take other data out and put other data back in, um, we're right back in a certain kind of essentialized homogenization. And so really on a very practical and basic level, we were interested in the who and the what, like who gets to be the methodologist? Um, what gets to be the data? What's chosen as the data? Why um, is X, Y, and Z only the data and never the method? Um, what is the category and role of experience? Like, what is the role of the role of experience? Um, mm -hmm. Is it possible to bracket that experience out? You know, as someone trained in a critical approach, you know, I'm trained to say that I'm not after experience and that experiential reality is bracketed by a certain kind of methodological approach or apprehension, right? And so Chris will come along and be like, oh, no, no, that's not possible. It's experience all the way down. There's a lot here, guys. Uh, <laughs> so um, we're, we're definitely not going to be able to talk a lot of the, the details here in this book. So listeners, uh, be warned that you're just going to have to to go and buy this book. <laughs> Which is out on uh, paperback or in paperback. Yeah, just came out in paperback. That's great. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So um, if if I'm reading the book correctly, I think one of the main um, arguments is that the, uh, this relationship between um, identity and the categories uh, that shape theoretical and methodological assumptions um, kind of co-constitute each other. Mm -hmm. um, so, and, and you, you use a lot of examples and um, you kind of talk more about the, the kind of genealogy of the, how the, the project progressed. Um, and you've, you've already kind of alluded to some of this, right? Ideas about what the critical study of religion is, like what are the boundaries of that? What does that mean exactly? Mm -hmm. um, in the book, you also talk about um, the scientific study of religion, which seems to have different kind of sets of assumptions um, rooted in different types of identities. Um, you talked earlier about ideas about... Can I just of, uh, say, Christian, I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt your question, but no, the fact that you just made that distinction makes us so incredibly happy and so, it's so important <laughs> that um, we, you know, we start off in a way we have, you know, this um, 
experience with Don Weeb, you know, who, um, you know, would like to see the academic study of religion develop as a science. You know, he's got his shtick, his thing. Um, and our critiques of Weeb were read as critiques of the critical approach, but not only Weeb, you know, the other kinds of critiques that we might um, levy against scientific approaches, the fact that you were just able to make that distinction between critical and scientific and not sort of um, assuming that one is always the other makes us so happy. <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just following your lead. So maybe for, for those who, who haven't read the book, um, I, I guess uh, kind of parsing out these different mm-hmm. uh, approaches or methods, um, right? And you also talked about kind of the black religion as a field that has a certain set of kind of methodological assumptions going along with it. Um, so what, how, how do you, cause it seems like the argument of the part of the argument of the book is that method is established through these kind of positionalities, um, which are often kind of coded, uh, or, uh, demarcated as being objective or, or, or kind of outside of experience or identity, um, so I guess what what how how is method established think, in the study of religion from your guys take? Right. I think an example uh, that we bring into the book, thanks to Long's uh, newer volume, the one that was published just a couple years ago, um, in Ellipsis, he tells the story of how it was that he came to be a historian of religion, and. So this is what I'm about to say is about kind of like one half of the the concerns that we wanted to emphasize in the book. So for us, method uh, reveals identity, but identity also has an impact on methodological choice. Um, These are not axiomatic insofar as uh, to be X in the social world doesn't mean that you will necessarily be this or, or use Y method in your professional career or anything, but, but the, there were tendencies. So you could think of the book as a, a tendential theory of the relationship between uh, method and identity. Now, so to get to the long example, so Long was at the University of Chicago, as many listeners surely know, and he was initially uh, kind of pigeonholed as necessarily having theological ambitions. Why was this so? Well, to hear him tell the story, it um, could be boiled down to uh, his body, how he carried himself in in the space of the the divinity school and how folks were uh, making assumptions about what kind of meanings were a- attached, the significations that were at work in um, his interactions with his colleagues. So he one day was walking through the office uh uh, Manly Hall, I believe it was, and he bumps into uh, Joaquin Walk, and Walk starts asking him in a real um, kind of uh, even-handed but but interested way, "What are you up to? What are your interests, etc., cetera, etc.?" Cetera. And uh, they they have this conversation that uh, allows Long to recognize that something about the phenomenological approach, as Walk understood it at the time provided space for him to study from the standpoint of what he already understood to be the proper object of our investigations. He had already come to realize that um, 
he was a black man studying it, the in uh, religion Wissenschaft, the history of religions, and and he recognized that all of the data he couldn't turn his head in any direction and see the folks around him doing anything but being preoccupied in folks that looked like him. Right. And, and this provided, uh, well, it, it provided a whole uh, <laughs> panoply of ideas for him, but how Long was able to kind of breathe within that space was through Vox's uh, emphasis that there was something about the category of experience that would be the the methodological foundation for the field, which that's something that we can still debate, of course. The important thing is not championing Vox's perspective here, but it's in seeing that for long, uh, method and identity had a, had an integral relationship. And then, so that's one anecdote. Uh, and just to kind of add on to that, Chris, I mean, what the story that you just recounted, um, you know, Christian, we talk about this like in the preface early on in the book about, you know, how we were having these experiences, not paranormal ones, but <laughs> we were having real experiences, right? You know, whether it was uh, the fact that we had upset, you know, um, a large constituent um, of of the critical approaches to uh, hip hop and religion. When we have our first respondent, as Russell McCutcheon come, and he gives this brilliant response, you know, titled "I Have a Hunch," and you know, if you're on the critical on the critical side, you know, you loved it, and he was giving these kind of um, experiential sorts of nods to the Sue Generous by way of the phenomenological, but it's it was a brilliant, brilliant article. Incredibly, you, I mean, it's so brilliant. It. Not only the wordplay, yeah. right, but it's um, it really speaks to um, this trademark brilliance that I think McCutcheon um, really holds. Um, but so, if you're on the critical side, you loved it. But if you were on a more phenomenologically situated uh, side of Black religion, where particular categories um, such as experience or such as authenticity um, or such as standpoint, you know, matter and matter a great deal, then you were going to be upset. Um, and it's not that the folk in the crowd did not get it. They got it actually quite well. But what we learned from that experience was the feedback that we got and the reticence that we received as a result of McCutcheon being the respondent um, had much more to do with the identity of the respondent versus the racialization of the data um, that the group takes up itself. And so it, it was like we had broken some kind of identity, um, I, you know, uh-huh. <clears throat> assumption <laughs> that really put, um, you know, folk of color at odds with what Chris and I were up to. Um, so in that regard, we're trying to defend, you know, why we had a particular respondent you know, on this panel for, you know, the first panel and for the first opening of this big group, you know, that we've started the first ever group on hip hop in the American Academy of Religion. And here we break some kind of cardinal rule that we ourselves aren't even privy to. Um, Chris was, I think, a little more privy to it than I was. But I'm like, what did we do wrong? You know, um, where did we go wrong? What did we do wrong? But all of that to say, as we mentioned in the preface, it really, um really animated kind of who would say what to whom in the academic study of religion or who can say what about what 
in the academic study of religion. And so we took that as part of our own critical mandate in a way um, to kind of think about critical approaches to hip hop um, in a religion and religion, you know, as a space that would um, bring together these interventions, but would also be a space of experiment you know, experimenting um, with breaking rules and, you know, what happens um, when we critique, what happens when we deconstruct without reconstructing, um, you know. So all of that to say that that becomes this, you know, method as identity really begins kind of in that moment. Um, But then turning to 2015, when we're at the International Association for the History of Religions Congress, that was in Erfurt, Germany, um, Chris and I had actually co-authored the proposal um, that we gave there for Method as Identity. It had been um, accepted. And so we get there and we were actually arguing for a critical approach. But in our arguing for a critical approach, Don Weeb, who we shared space with on the panel, was a great pleasure and privilege for us to meet him in the flesh and to think with him um, but he was very abrasive with us and saw us as either doing something that was way less critical than what we actually thought we were being because of the racialization of our data or seeing us as um, being a part of black religion and not having any kind of permission to do um, anything around a critical kind of approach. So that, you know, this book project, you know, what became Method as Identity really uh, begins to kind of boil in these two alchemical kind of experiences mm-hmm. that we have and then that we continue to have. Um, and that's when we decided together, we said, you know, we've got to uh, keep the critical approach critical. So if we don't ask hard questions of the critical approach, um, there's a way that it'll end up falling flat or we will fall prey to the very things that we're critiquing. And on the other hand, we have a commitment to our own um, primary areas of study, Black religion, critical whiteness studies, uh, to kind of keep those areas as critical um, as they can, but also as for both of those areas, as honest as they're, you know, um, as honest as they can be. Um, And so we then take that debate up um, among both of ourselves to kind of, you know, Take, take to task um, in a way those two areas, but also to uh, develop them as well. Yeah, uh, I guess readers can think of the book as uh, what we hope to be a series of conversation starters, essentially. Um, is the sorts of, while uh, a space like Nasser does an absolutely brilliant and vital job of uh, focusing our attention on uh, particular frames for um, thinking with and about social identity, and then also different, uh, as uh, Jean-Francois Bayard uh, has been so often quoted, these operational acts of identification, that it's absolutely um, imperative. Um, I guess what is, what, what's missing though is, is a, a serious consideration of the impact of what these uh, identity-based studies have offered in the way of shifts in the discourse. So we're, we're not suggesting that folks aren't invited or, or anything like that, that these are somehow uh, uh, socially segregated spaces so much as 
have we taken stock of how um, a variety of different areas for us, the, the, the case study, the running case study is Africana religions or African-American religion, however you want to frame it. Like, have we collectively uh, done the, the reflexive critical work of seeing how is it that these discourses are reshaping our uh, professional identities? How, like, what, what is that relationship? And uh, that's really um, framed in those terms. I don't know if Monica or I have really found um, a space outside of the critical approaches to hip hop group where we're kind of forcing those sorts of conversations. Like it's it's enough. It's one thing to provide space for. Uh, historically marginalized populations to uh, join and start their own discourses and things like that. But I mean, like what, what's really been going on over the last decades as uh, historically marginalized people, persons have increasingly entered into the halls of academia, like what, what and how has the Academy, particularly uh, the AAR and the IAHR, how have they organized themselves? And the, the, the counterpoint to the um, to the long example or anecdote is that it, this is not a matter of historically marginalized persons making a forceful insertion of identity into or onto method. That is something that happens, and there's uh, a whole lot we can say about that, but there's a historical precedent for this tendency to conflate or uh, confuse the two. And uh, so in the book, we turn to an example of uh, that from a series of articles and uh, rejoinders that were are held in Newman, the professional journal for the IAHR, and uh, they're responding in the early '60s, late '50s, early '60s to what had been a World Congress that was held in Tokyo that year. And uh, we were looking for historical precedents for when these methodological crises happen. And it seemed to us that this uh, moment in time was a clear example of the, the stakes involved. So uh, these white Western men basically um, went over to Tokyo in 1958 um, at sort of the behest of UNESCO. The UNESCO paid for this or paid a, a big chunk of this particular Congress. And uh, the goal of it was to basically learn how to live together, right? Like this is a, a post-war moment where folks are think, still thinking never again about uh, fascism, national socialism, things of that sort. And so uh, it was kind of UNESCO's goal to have us thinking about how we live together without killing one another. To, and I don't mean to sound flippant, but um, I mean, that was really the goal. And the, the uh, some effect for white Western scholars was they went over there thinking that they were the ones who were the authorities on uh, these discourses, particularly Shintoism. But it, uh, I mean, there were examples of how this played out in terms of Buddhism and other things where um, the uh, empirical other, the historically empirically empirical other, as Long would say, were for the first time seen as the experts, and this created a crisis of identity that we we show we bear this out 
by turning to the journal articles in Newman. And, and what it points to is that the thing that we've been sold as a concern to maintain this detached posture of method uh, away from social identity, that the only way that we can navigate the complicated waters of social identification in our work is to do this kind of critical distancing, that that critical distancing was born out of a concern to uh, reinforce the authority of the white Western scholar of the middle 20th century in the face of folks who had a whole bunch of insider information that these white Western men had never had to really reckon with. And so that that's the counterpoint or the, the um, I guess, historical precedent uh, or one of them for the relationship between method and identity. So, right. Um, and to, you know, um, to kind of build on that also um, this idea of, you know, the, like, for example, the category um, of experience. So if black religion studies is not critical, if there are more phenomenologically oriented um, or take up religion, black religion as a kind of subjective sort of orientation, um, they're either being overly critical and doing the very thing that we critique them for and saying they're too phenomenological. And that is, you know, the fact that they are studying themselves, right? That there's this um, uh, sort of, um, you know, attachment uh, to the data. So the identity of the data matches the identity of of the scholar. Um, And if we take description to be thin as it is, then, you know, as thin as thin, no longer thick description, um, what we're doing at best is studying ourselves, right? And so what, you know, to kind of the flip side of what Chris is talking about is that in Black religion studies, Black religious studies or African-American religion, um, if I say they're not critical, that means that they're at best studying themselves and they're being good critics, of themselves and of the data that they're studying, or they're overly uh, phenomenological, right? But not by their own making, right? So what role do I as a critical scholar um, play in the over-phenomenologizing or phenomenologicalizing, right, of, you know, uh, of the field where they're kind of stuck in a catch-22? That is to say, um, they're relegated to studying the identity, that matches their own subjective identity, or at best they're doing standpoint theory, or um, at the least, you know, they're trying to be critically oriented, um, but they're not necessarily making any distinctions of distance between themselves and the data that they're actually taking up. And so, again, going back to this sort of discursive kind of confusion um, that brings this project together, and that really brought Chris Chris's voice together uh, with mine um, is to say, you know, how did the methodologist become the methodologist? Like, how did method become method? Um, Is Foucault as critical as we're making him out to be? Is Durkheim as critical as we're making him out to be? Um, Is the critique of the phenomenology, you know, in Black religion, for example, or in Black studies, I would say, um, more specifically, you know, is that critique actually something um, that is well positioned? Is the posture of the critique well situated, right? Um, is the critique that 
you know, they're too close to their data, actually space that is not afforded to them to actually have distance from their data through the presumptions and assumptions uh, of their own identity-based uh, subjectivity matching with the data that they're studying. So in other words, to state that more plainly, um, are we giving space to gender studies? Are we giving space to uh, Black studies to actually um, procure a particular kind of critically oriented methodology? Or we're assuming that at best they can only study themselves, which if we take our own critical method, if we take Jay-Z Smith seriously, then at the end of the day, all we're doing is studying ourselves anyway. So uh, why the over critique of the category of experience or the hyper critique, right, of something like standpoint when at the end of the day, you know, we, we're studying data, but we're working out who we are um, and isn't to then experience wrapped up in in that project. No. <laughs> now, um, so this has been in kind of the background of what you guys have been saying here um, throughout our conversation. And and throughout the book, but in a, a couple of places, you, you kind of address this um, specifically. Um, you have one chapter with this great title, What is Black About Black mm-hmm. Religious Studies? And then uh, so, so so there and in the following chapter and, and some places elsewhere, um, we're talking uh, or you're talking a little bit about this idea of the z- designation black or this, this these categories of blackness and then the, the corollary of whiteness. Um, which we haven't uh, talked much about here, um, but whiteness is often kind of the presumed normativity that uh, is projected through a kind of a scientific or a critical study, right? Is that it's objective and detached. Um, so c- c- help us uh, think about uh, these kind of racialized categories and how they kind of are underlying a lot of the, uh, the the conversation that we've been having here about uh, method and these kind of different domains of uh, of methods. Right. So, um, that's, thanks for the question, Christian. Um, that chapter, what is black about black religious studies and thinking about diaspora and you know maintenance um, in the field, um, comes out of uh, personal frustration um, that you know, I had a tendency of um, sort of uh, feeling over the years, but uh, a frustration that was kind of building in a productive kind of capacity, which is to say, um, and it's a simple one, which is to say, why the designator Black, right? If religion is the study of identity and of identity formation, um, and if at best we're only really studying ourselves at the end of the day, which is to say that we're not as we're not as uh, far away from experience as we tend to assume, then why that designator black? Um, what is black then, right, about black religious studies? And I would often ask students um, in the beginning of the semester, I would say, well, this course is, you know, introduction to black religions and hip hop. I would say to them, if this course were just titled religion and hip hop, right, or introduction to religion and hip hop, 
would you come into the class assuming that we would be studying black religion all semester or would you be surprised by that prospect? And they said they'd absolutely be surprised, right? And so it's almost as if the identity-based position is forced into a discursive situation of always having to be foregrounded. Mm-hmm. Whereas the white position, that position of normativity gets to be free floating and, and unmoored, right? It gets to kind of operate in a metaphysical kind of capacity right? Which, we get to just say religion, welcome to the introduction to religion or welcome to, you know, uh, religion and sports, for example. And so Chris and I would often have these conversations about how I have to foreground certain kinds of things or gender studies has to foreground or queer theory or queer studies has to foreground. But yet when we're talking about straight white men, their identity gets to sort of, you know, as I said, be this free floating um, kind of designator where we know it's there right? But we don't necessarily always say it. Um, And we don't have to say it because it's already assumed and kind of presumed in the designator that's being used. So I would say that frustration, plus also our observation, as Chris mentioned um, a little while ago uh, in the story that he was telling about Newman, what I was also thinking about Christian, it was just kind of a thought experiment um, in a way, which was like, why you know, we we talk about black religion as being a subfield of the field of religion, a little, you know, area of religion that's kind of segregated into itself, a burgeoning area of study. But if, like Charles Long said, you know, if the data has always looked like myself or look like me, then that means we've been doing black religion all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's a, a point that we, we, uh, try and pull out and and focus on in the book, um, but I guess uh, to go back and uh, thinking about whiteness specifically, like what sorts of interventions are made possible by our citing of whiteness, which we do a number of times in the text. And it's by my estimation, it's the only book I know of in our field that puts method and and whiteness specifically together, but. The reason was kind of born out of necessity because you're talking about um, ha- as these converse- as these discourses unfold in the field, you've got uh, a camp offering to um, okay organize the uh, parameters of all of the other camps. So that that sort of relationship to to other people, not the other necessarily. But just to other people in general, that has a historical precedent. And like so, uh, the idea of whiteness helps us to think about how authority is functioning as it concerns these conversations. How are we going to be scholars of religion in the 21st century? I mean, like the uh, one thing we haven't noted here, uh, and we don't have to get into it for the sake of time and and other uh, things, is uh, th- this book is being colored by. Uh, Monica and I learning how to be young scholars in the field. And, and so quite quite literally, there are a politics of the field that are at work that shape the possibilities for all of us, but in different ways. And so how is it that we can talk in terms of uh, whiteness or blackness being these discursively constructed uh, floating signifiers at best, but then uh, have those things 
make a real impact on our uh, um, the sorts of expectations that hiring committees will be uh, having during job interviews, for instance. Mm-hmm. Like, like, how is it that we're navigating that space? For instance, uh, there, there may be, I haven't looked at the numbers, but there's definitely an assumption that uh, historically ma- marginalized folks have, have an easier time uh, on the job market than white men. That's a, I've heard it in countless areas and spaces. I'm not agreeing with it. I'm just saying it, it exists. On the flip side, though, uh, within the, those, those job listings, what's the sort of posture that one is, um, uh, that is hoped for by lots of these hiring committees? So you can do theory and method, particularly if you could do it from this critical posture. So what, is the, what sort of uh, complex uh, set of significations are at work in that uh, environment? And I mean, it's, it can be maddening uh, for, for folks for a number of different reasons. Um, but I mean, the, the whiteness thing, though, it, it really offers a way, a clumsy at times way. I mean, whiteness as, as, as the idea, as an analytic, a lot of people don't like it because it's uncomfortable because white folks, we have not had to situate ourselves as a, a, a group Quite, quite frankly, and that's and what I think the word that goes is. back to that, you know, that question that we were sort of asking as a thread, you know, throughout the book, Chris, which is like, what makes a methodologist a methodologist? Hmm. Like, how is it, you know, that certain individuals and certain um, identities come to be understood as method? What we realized, Christian, was that. Um, not the fact of them necessarily being as disconnected from their data, right? But that the methodologist is cataloged according to the difference produced between the difference of the identity of the scholar and the identity of the data itself. And so that difference produces an illusion of distance. So in other words, that's why... um, That's our thesis, Yeah. I mean, so that's why, you know, when Charles Long says, you know, why does all the data look like me? It's because a serious comparativist, right, will take up a data set that looks different um, than who they purport to be, right? Um, One will take an interest in something that's foreign and exotic. And not to say we haven't moved away from a certain kind of ethnological um, kind of model, um, or, or approach, like we've certainly come a long way, um, in that regard. Um, but the illusion of distance is something that we wanted to kind of play with. And so by that accord, black religion, going back to what is black about black religion, um, they will never get the opportunity to be critical. We will never get the opportunity in black religion to be critical, right? Because we those in that study black religion are overwhelmingly the same identity, right? Of their, um, the same, they share a similar kind of identity between themselves and the data that they take up. Um, and so if the illusion of distance necessitates, um, a certain kind of posture that one would then come to be called critical, it just means that then black religious studies is sort of already X'd out. Mark. It, it, 
again, what Monica's describing, though, creates like a, a schizoid social environment wherein one aspect of this career, this profession, is telling these folks to act a certain way to, to gain these particular tools if you want a job. But then the, another side of the, the profession or career is saying, no, 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 no. Those, those are the things that are going to ensure that you're never respected. Like that's, that's a mind fuck, if you pardon the uh, expression. And that's something that, uh, uh, again, like folks have had these sorts of conversations for a long time over drinks at AAR and things like that. But we need to, we need to pull the, the rug uh, off of this. I mean, we need to have these hard conversations. I mean, for instance, the distance that Monica is describing and that we talk about extensively in the book. I mean, it's it's manufactured to say it's manufactured is an understatement of epic proportions. It's predicated on an artificial notion of the primitive, uh, uh, the primitive other, the primitive subject. The idea of primitivity in and of itself is a theological idea of which uh, the work of Durkheim and countless other functionalists emerge based on a theological presumption of the superiority of some of us to the inferiority of others of us. And this is not this is not to play politics or to infuse politics in the stuff that we do in the study of religion. What Monica and I are arguing, and, and we're not alone in this, um, Masu, uh, Tomoko Masuzawa and others, Daniel Debusen, like there's a number of folks who are uh, trying to do this work to show this, is our field in its inception has been predicated on this racialized assumption and from that racialized assumption, we uh, we inherit these what we call critical postures, and that's that's something that needs to be interrogated. That's, um, that's- and I mean, and so there's critical, and then there's critical, right? And this is where Chris and I would sort of productively put together uh, the tension. I would say, <clears throat> you know that. You know, the work that, say, for example, McCutcheon um, and Stephen Ramey or members of Culture on the Edge are trying to do, you know, is that work of measuring, you know, that distance um, to say, well, what is being perceived as distance um, is, in fact, an illusion. And, you know, um, following very closely, you know, by art and so much that identity, you know, is not just this thing, but, you know, is, in fact, is represented by and representative of uh, these operational acts, I think gets us closer to um the reality that we're studying ourselves at the end of the day. And if most of the scholars are white and we're studying ourselves, then we can call it a white kind of discourse, right? <laughs> like, and I think that's the way we tend to think about the study of black religion or the study of black studies or the study of, um, you know, gender studies. So um, for the sake of the book, we tend to homogenize, although we try to, in certain areas, kind of parse out what we mean by critical and the yeah. old guard of critical, the new guard of critical. Um, this really, you know, uh, is a book project that um, attempts to keep critical critical, which is to say more plainly, how do we know when something, just like we're saying, how do we know when something is method or when something is theory? How do we know when the methodologist has arrived on the scene or the theorist has arrived on the scene? We're also asking, how do we know when something's critical and when it's not critical? 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, if we do see something productive in the critical approach, then the only way to keep critical critical, right, is to kind of ask hard questions um, of that uh, very approach. And there seems, Christian, to be a kind of that big tent approach to theory and method. Um, and in fact, one is often not unstated without the other, right? Like we tend to not just say methodological dot, dot, dot. We tend to say like theory and method in so much as it actually represents a particular kind of identity stance. So we tend to use uh, the designators, method and theory, as a kind of uh, politic, if you will, right? Where that tent is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and now everyone's doing theory and method, and we don't even have a good sense of what distinguishes method from theory. And now theory and method are kind of like peanut butter, uh, and jelly, <laughs> like they're kind of going together like peanut butter and jelly, you know, such that then that becomes a larger stand in, right, for critical. So when someone says they do theory and method, we're assuming that they take a critical approach uh, to the their object of study, for example. Um, and we wanted to sort of assess, if you will, how did we get to this point? Like, how did we get to this trend? You know, what are the professional ramifications like Chris was just talking about? Um, But even, you know, beyond professional ramifications, I would say that not only um, does this impact, you know, who gets what job and how certain jobs are um, positioned, right? Um, What scholars are, you know, um, applying for what jobs, but it also uh, speaks, I think, you know, a lot about like tenure, for example, like that's a very practical professional concern, right? So if you're a critical scholar, you know, does your work go to the critical camp or um, if your data, like for, let's take Chris, for example, <laughs> like is sure. Chris going to be analyzed by existentialists or is Chris going to be analyzed by, you know, mostly scholars in the study of black religion. This is terrifying me all of a sudden. (laughs) And so these politics, Christian, are the things that we're interested in, like in a very practical level, you know, and I think this is important for listeners. I'm trying to think of practical things uh, that one could take from what is otherwise a quite uh, complex sort of, um, theoretical kind of experiment that is the book, you know, what, like, how did we get to this point? Like, where did we start? How did we get here? You know, why are method and theory kind of going together like peanut butter and jelly? Why are, why, what does it mean to do method? Is that something that is still a productive concept to use? Um, or does the foregrounding of method actually foreground a certain kind of politic instead of, you know, does it foreground the who, but not necessarily the what? Well, we have been talking for a while and there's so much more to the book. So, uh, of course, people will have to to read through it. And uh, fortunately, I think it's the type of book that, that you can return to probably at uh, various points um, and kind of reconsider uh, the assumptions that you have at that very moment. So I, I hope people will will read the book and continue to read the book um, as we move forward uh, kind of with the, with the discipline. Um, we always kind of wrap these conversations up um, in thinking about uh, what people are, are working on at the moment. 
Um, and so that, that might be a kind of uh, an interesting time to also reflect and now kind of mm-hmm. um, writing this book, you know, going through kind of uh, these experiential moments that you have that have kind of shaped your understanding of what method is. Um, and if we, if we are going to respond to the notion that method uh, is an identity, um, where are you guys now? What types of questions are you asking? What type of, uh, you know, subjects are you considering? So we're still at work, Christian, in the collaborative, <laughs> uh, in the collaborative project. Um, Chris and I are, uh, currently working together on, um, a book for, uh, Rutledge, um, which is part of their basics series. So, uh, race and religion, the basics, um, and so here we get to kind of extend some of these larger questions that we didn't necessarily get to explore in Method as Identity, but also we get to, again, kind of perform um, a, a certain kind of um, discursive discontinuity between our voices, which we think um, will will also serve as its own data in a certain way, right? So uh, religion and race, if the study of race was always a part of religion, then, you know, is race already endemic to religion? Um, do we need to even separate race from religion is really the study of religion, the study of race um, in a lot of ways. And so these are some of the questions that we're taking up in um, that project. And then, and, and we're doing it in, in a much more accessible fashion than uh, this book ended up, than Method as Identity ended up. Right. Um, and so we hope that it's, you know, practical, um, that it will sort of chart out some, uh, professional, um, you know, not chart really, but to kind of, you know, sort of explore some of the professional, uh, ramifications, um, and or consequences of thinking about religion and race. But, um, you know, we think that it'll be a fruitful kind of collaboration in asking these questions. So part of it, uh, will be methodological and theoretical, um, but we also hope to really expand the data set um, as well. And yeah, be usable, like for the classroom. That's that's a priority. Definitely a priority for us to make it usable uh, in the classroom. Um, and then uh, kind of down the road collaboration um, is a handbook that uh, Chris, myself, and Dr. Daniel White Hodge will be working on, which is a handbook uh, for the study of hip hop uh, and religion. And then for myself, lastly, you know, it's um, finishing New Black Gods and getting that off my plate, which has seen so many different um, instantiations. And I think the more I kind of think about theory and method, the more it's really pushing that project along, which was originally. Um, about looking, you know, at both sides of black iconicity. And so what does it mean to think about an Obama and a Michael Brown at the same time, right? Or an Oprah, you know, and, you know, uh, Renisha McBride at the same time. Um, how is it that we can talk about black excess, right? Um, with so much black loss. Um, but for me, the way that that project is really taking shape and the way the roads that it's currently traveling um, is moving away from iconicity and kind of asking a larger question of how do we theorize black religion really as the study of identity as such. Um, And so uh, doing, I move away from the kind of 
figure um, approach to larger methodological and theoretical sorts of um, considerations by looking at a number of case studies and data sets. Sounds good. Chris, are you working on anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, sure. I, I'm about to descend into a writing cave uh, <laughs> thanks to this crazy world that we're currently living in. I, I'm actually excited about the, the cave part of it, not the crazy world part of it. But uh, I'm working on a book uh, that should be out in about a year and a half. Uh, that's called White Devils, which um, is really a, a study of the relationship between appropriation in the sense of identity and, and uh, codependency. It turns to uh, psychology, psychoanalysis, uh, to think through um, what our uh, re- racialized relationships uh, of responsibility involve. So it'll um, look at that, but it does so through thinking about the appropriation of on the one hand, hip-hop culture by white masses of young people, but then on the other hand, trying to do so in a way that takes seriously uh, a popular trope in uh, Black esoteric traditions uh, uh, that situates the white man as the devil. Like, how is it, uh, are those two, like, uh, points of uh, focus, are they connected? And I, I think they are, and so I'm trying to trying to tell the story of the white devil, but do so in a way that is um, uh, useful for understanding how that story might, uh, might operate or how it, how it comes about. So that's what I'll be focusing on. These sound like great projects. I wish you, I wish you luck. And uh, I I do hope that our, uh, our forced uh, writing time is uh, (laughs) short (laughs) Uh, yeah. But I but I do hope you guys have enough time to be productive in these great projects. So, thanks yeah. for uh, thanks for sharing that, and thanks for uh, talking about this uh, this great book method uh, as identity. Thanks for having Thank us. Yes, Chris. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us back, and um, we're always um, excited uh, by what you produce and, and, you know, um, always keep our ear to the ground of what you're up to. So, uh, we appreciate you and, uh, we thank Very you. Much so. And thanks to everyone who, who listened. Uh, we're always up to talk about this sort of stuff. So just shoot us an email if anyone's interested. Thanks for listening to new books and religion. That was my conversation with Christopher Driscoll and Monica Miller about method as identity. Manufacturing Distance in the Academic Study of Religion, published with Lexington in 2018.